Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we start off every service reading uh, from the lectionary, um, which is uh, how we kick things off here. I'm going to do it in English. I usually do it in Greek or Hebrew, but I'll keep it in English for today. And I don't know why I've always looked up to this one when this one's way easier on my neck, so I'm going to go straight ahead now. Um, so this is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't, I don't know how it was for everyone here, but that was like, I feel like that was one of the first like set of scriptures that I was like taught um, when I first like, I guess, grew up in the Christian faith. And I don't know, it was one of those that kind of became kind of numb for me. It was almost just like, I mean, I remember saying it before sports games and uh, it was just so, just a ritual. Um, but really just even now looking at it, kind of taking a little bit more time being still before that, it's, it just shows the beauty of God to where he, uh, the thing that jumped out to me this week was that he like, he makes us lie down in green pastures. That it's not something that, you know, it's not just an encouragement like you should. It's, it's him stepping into that to where we can actually just take rest. And I think rest is something that, for me at least, it's tough to rest when other things are going on. Like when I have responsibilities or tasks, like I've got to get things done or I've got to make things happen. Um, but I think what rest really is, it's just trust. It's trusting that he's going to take care of everything, that he's going to provide. Um, so I just think it just shows the character of Jesus, that uh, it's not just for a season. That's, that scripture is just a posture that we stay in. He prepares the table in the midst of our enemies. It's, it's not something that he wants us to actively do and try to fix, that it's always happening. He's always preparing a table and no matter what season it is. So these are those scriptures that really just, for me, it stirs me up to really just celebrate God, that I don't have to strive, I don't have to try to make things happen, but that I can stay in that place of rest and just enjoy God and abide in God. So, yeah, we just want to carry that posture even into worship. Um, so, yeah, just we're going to pray. So, Jesus, we just thank you so much. God, again, that when you prepare the table before us, God, it's, it's not just a quick meal. It, it is a feast every single time. It's always what we need. That we actually have to sit down and fully be present to enjoy you to eat. Lord, even with that, just teach us. Teach us how to be still. Even in worship, God, Lord, we just invite your, your spirit and your presence, God, to just move in this place, that we just carry that into worship, God. We, we celebrate you. Every single time that you feed us, God, we celebrate you. There's not one time you leave us dry, and so we bless you for that. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill our worship? Would you be exalted today? In Jesus' name, amen. So as we move into... Um, prayers of the people this morning. Um, it was on my heart to pray for the women of the world. And we can carry this song over specifically that
God would rain on them. And as I was sort of praying through just how to lead this prayer this morning, um, I landed on this story that I was like, I have to read this to them. Um, so this is a story from Iran. And this is a mom. I knew the day would come, the day they would ring my doorbell and take me and my husband to prison. Although everyone around me thought I was a housewife, I was, in fact, involved in full-time ministry. The authorities were bound to found out. We started preparing our daughter, Lily, for persecution when she was still in, sorry, primary school. When they come and take mom and dad away, don't worry, we told her. The Bible tells us it is normal to be persecuted as believers. They will take us to prison, ask us some questions, and hit us. Then we will come back. It was an early winter morning when the authorities came to our house. Lily was 12 at the time and had already left for school. They searched everything. Then they ordered my husband and me to come with them. On the way to prison, I thought about Lily and how she would know what to do when my sister picked her up from school and told her, Lily would pray for us. And when she was afraid, she would pray more. In prison, my husband and I were split up. I was allowed to call Lily four times a week. I was interrogated daily. Soon, they found my weak point, my little girl. I told them everything they wanted to know about myself, but I refused to give the names of others. Okay, they told me. As long as you won't give names, you can't call your daughter. I was devastated. Back in my cell, I couldn't stop crying. I knew that I did the right thing. Yet, how could I live without knowing how my daughter was doing? How could she be comforted without hearing my voice? While I was praying, suddenly I felt a warm wind stroking my cheeks. Take it in, I heard the Lord saying. With every breath of warm air I took, I felt my body being healed with joy. In fact, I couldn't sit anymore. I had to dance for joy and praise God. It lasted all night. All night I was dancing for the Lord until the next morning God was giving me the strength to put my beloved daughter in his hands. Not long after, I was released, as was my husband, through tears, I saw my Lily's face again. She told me that she had been praying a lot for us. Spending these times in prayer and trusting the Lord in everything was a completely new experience for her. In hindsight, Lily says that she never grew more in her faith than during that time we were in prison. I prepared my Lily for what would happen when her parents were taken away. And I learned to put my Lily in the hands of the Lord and he took care of her in miraculous ways. So I was thinking this week about how Mother's Day in America is a lot about teas and flowers and gifts and pictures, and that's all good. But I thought what an opportunity we have during prayers of the people to intercede for moms who are experiencing not such pretty pictures. So I want you guys to pray with me. I already prepared this prayer, so I'm just going to read it. Let's pray. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, from whose image all women and mothers are created, we ask your blessing today on women and mothers throughout the earth. We recognize that all women have been created to mother in some way. Help us not to narrow our view of motherhood in a way that excludes, alienates, or shames. Today on Mother's Day, we pray for and bless all your daughters. We pray for the mothers of the church, the body of Christ. We thank you for the spiritual mothers who are raising up godly daughters. We pray that the women in the church would be confident, brave, holy, and honest. We pray that we would be women of integrity, bound together by love and unity, instead of torn apart by comparison and gossip. For the mothers of our nation who serve our country in public office and in the military, give them protection, grace, strength, and wisdom. For the mothers who are homeless, hungry, and in poverty, in your justice and mercy, give them their daily bread as they seek to feed and clothe their children. For mothers who live with plenty, teach us to steward what you have given us well and live generously. May we not be stingy or discontent. May we not live to accumulate more, but to live simply. For the mothers of this world, for whom this day does not offer a break from pain, struggle, and persecution. For mothers in refugee camps who have lost their former lives and live in limbo. For mothers in war-torn countries who desperately try to keep their children safe and fed. For mothers holding the hands of their dying children. For these we pray, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. For mothers who have lost children due to infant death or miscarriage and mothers dealing with infertility, comfort them and be with them as they grieve. May their lament be heard with compassion. For mothers who are dealing with illness, issues in their marriages, or estrangement from their children, bring healing in their bodies and relationships. Finally, we pray the blessing, Eshet Chayil, woman of valor, over every woman here. We bless them as beloved daughters of God who have been created in God's image. We bless them to balance the roles of mother, wife, daughter, worker, and to whatever other role they have been called. May they have strength, patience, self-control, honesty, authenticity, grace, and the bravery to admit their limitations. Holy Spirit, rest on your daughters today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, One of my favorite things, if you know me well, is that um, both, ah, dang it, Both fathering and mothering are such huge parts of our God. And so I have had the um, honor of being mothered by and to mother people in this room. Doesn't matter about age. Um, And mothering and pastoring look, have so much in common. They both um, accept and encourage. They challenge and guide, mourn with and celebrate with and uh, pray for and disciple 
And I grew up in churches where I was told I couldn't be a pastor because I'm a woman. And as I got older and studied, I found that that was not biblically true. Um, and just like my sweet husband brings something special to fathering our son, I bring something special to mothering him. And the same thing goes for our RCC body. We would be a vastly different church without our female pastors. And it's a trickle-down effect. So when Josh and Sarah planted River City Church, they planted as co-pastors, which I loved. And Sarah has pastored me for five years so well. And my life has changed because of it. So if Sarah has encouraged and supported you, or challenged you and guided you, or loved and pastored you, would you please stand? So y'all, she is our model. And so the way she has pastored us, as women, let's commit to mothering and loving others well. And um, if somebody in here has mothered you well, thank them. We are going into meet and greet, meet somebody you don't know. Um, thank you for pastoring us. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Try and keep you um, keep you from staying all afternoon. I know you have lunches and this sort. Uh, who who found a rock on your seat today? Good job, guys. That was the game. Find a rock today, and you all played well. Played you played your best game ever. A uh, couple things. Uh, it's really hard for somebody who likes to try and be funny to not make about a thousand jokes about this. Um, I could make a worship joke. I'm not going to do it. I was going to make a joke about... <laughs> nope. Uh, I'm not going to, even though... <sighs> Don't, please. Come on. Chris, did you make the joke to begin with? Oh, you did? Good job. No, good restraint. No, he didn't. Okay, good. He didn't. So I do think this is what I want to do, though, and I'm going to do it really quickly. Uh, I'm not going to make a joke. <sighs> so hard. But close your eyes and hold your rock. Around a few thousand years ago, men would gather around women who were caught in sin while even having their own sin and take rocks about this size and throw them as hard as they can at the woman until she was dead. That is horrible. And so... Today, God, we pray that we would be a reverse community of that. That we would do what you did, stand in front of people who throw rocks to protect the women in our lives, to honor the women in our lives, and to help them to be leaders. We thank you for the responsibility to create space for seats at the leadership tables and to not demean we thank you that you've gifted us with women. We thank you that we have traveled from that time, but we still have some distances to go. So help us to continue to throw down the rocks that look more like words or Facebook posts. 
and step away from that and begin to do the opposite, to do what you did, Jesus, to the woman caught in the act of adultery, which was free her and send her accusers away who also had equal sin. Forgive us for what we've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so there is a reason you have the rocks. <laughs> um, what, this is the second part of our, last week was our five-year anniversary. We celebrated that we've been around for five years, which is ridiculous. And we spent the day celebrating instead of moving towards vision. Like every church is good about Vision Sunday. We wanted to just kind of sit in and celebrate, and we did that. And so as we transition to today, we're kind of doing the thing where you remember to anticipate. And so at some point today, we would love for you, right, this is like youth ministry. We're invi- I'm involving you in 10 years of youth ministry today. So you're not going to have to nail anything to a cross, amen, but you are going to have to write on a rock a word or something or a phrase that you are anticipating, hearing from God, or hoping for for RCC's next season, okay? And then... For those of you who love to do this kind of thing, we're going to do it as a family. Take it somewhere in Smyrna where you live. or where you live for the edit. That's editing. That's a professional editor. Um, and throw it at people. I mean, and <laughs> don't do that. And put it somewhere. And it's a representation of what we want to see God do in our church, through our church, to our city. Does that make sense? So hopefully somebody walks across a rock that's like, Mega church. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Calm down. That says peace or forgiveness or reconciliation, right? Amen? All right. So that'll happen by the end of service. The pens are here, there, 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 there. Find a pen. You got to dab it on. It's kind it's of a complicated. Paint pen, it's so. a paint. It's complicated, guys. Dab it. It's like, it's like all things in life. It's a little complicated. So dab it on a napkin and then write on it and it'll be great. Okay. Can we agree to do this? Can we agree to agree? Okay. All right. So going forward, I'm going to read you what we consider, and I wanted to invite you in this. Each week, we do something called the worship journey, which is a way to create a Sunday worship atmosphere that's not just about one portion. It's not just about the four songs. It's not just about the preaching. It's not just about what the topic is. It's about how do we do this as a body each Sunday? And we do this every week. We, we do it in staff meeting, then we present it and we pray about it beforehand so that everything is kind of helping rewrite the narrative to that. Does that make sense? So the worship journey for today, and I'm going to read this. And this, before I read this, this feels so massive to me, there's no way that I can talk about it in a way that gets what's happening in here out here. That's just the truth. But it feels so much to me like exactly where God has us as a community that we're inviting you into it. So this is us saying, we're asking you to walk with us in this. We're asking you to be a part of this. We're desiring to never have eight people on staff that do all this crazy work, become superstars and kill it, while you guys just come participate and watch. We feel like this whole thing is the body. If we're not all doing it, we're doing it wrong, we feel like. We're inviting you into the deeper layers of this, to have the tough conversations, to disagree well, to say the things that need to be said, when you're alone, to search for community, instead of just saying things like we've all heard if we've been in ministry, I just couldn't connect there. That's everywhere. Every church will ever be at. We all have to step up, right? We all have to step in. We all have to sit our seat self at the table with other people. So this is this week's worship journey, and I'm going to read it. Oh God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name. 
and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns. One God forever and ever. Amen. Does that make sense? All right, I'm going to involve you in the worship journey again. It's going to be your third time reading something together. On the count of three, we're going to read it together. One, two, three. Oh God, whose Son, Jesus, is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and amen. So as we kind of jump into today, we're going to go back and forth. But really the big thing is about two months ago, we took a lot of our leadership through a course on Sunday nights that talked about three important things that have really resonated. And it was built around first commandment first and stop living out of the second commandment, which for many of you that don't know that, love God and love people. A lot of churches really thrive off loving people well and destroying people in the process destroying families because we desire so bad to serve, 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 but there really is no requirement on any connection with God. And so people are just burning out. So we've noticed that in our community that there are people that are getting to that spot. We're a real community. What do we do about it? So we built a six weeks course around a friend of mine who came in and the idea was know who you are, whose you are, and what you're called to. And if you can have at least some idea about those three things, then you can alleviate some of the other voices that are always wanting your attention, always clamoring for you. Everywhere you go, at all times, always anticipating that you take a bite and eat and go into that. So the idea was that we would be a people that focus on first commandment first. Who am I? Whose am I? And what am I called to? We don't have to do everything. River City and you are not supposed to do everything. To be a good Christian doesn't mean that you do everything and you serve everyone at all times. If you live that way, after at least a year or two, you will know that that's not possible. Raise your hand if you've ever felt like this. We happen to be a body who have received a bunch of people that have come out of ministries like this. For some reason, somebody even said one time, you guys are like a hospital. You create a space for people to come in, not feel pressured, get healed, slowly reacclimate to Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus without having to perform for a place at the table. Does that make sense? So for us, we know this is a big part of where God is leading us. So it means that we have to be able to clarify voices. Yesterday, I'm going I'm to wrap this up. I'm going to do it. But yesterday I was at a field, and, and I'm a baseball dad, and I'm a baseball person. Um, too much so. I, I actually like that about myself. I don't want to throw too many stones at myself. I enjoy a lot of that. But I, but I am a pretty um, adamant baseball dad, and sometimes I can be unhealthy, and it's not okay. And yesterday I was recognizing this in myself because I was watching another dad, which <laughs> is always fun. And I was like, oh, I look just like this guy. Hopefully not, but... So we're at the championship game, and we're all cheering on the two teams, and this one kid comes into pitch, and he happens to be my son's best friend on another team. And so I'm sitting next to, um, her name's Ann Lorio, who's awesome. She's an awesome lady from Smyrna. And this kid is pitching, and he is, it's, bases are loaded, no outs. He's been brought in, two to one. If they score two to ones, they win. So, so I can see Ann, like, she has to turn around, and she's like, oh, no, dear Jesus, oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> So I walked over and was like, Ann, are you nervous? I was like, you should be. This is the biggest moment of his life. And I, I didn't really say that, but I could tell she was, 
And then this dad from the team jumps on the fence and is like, Max, Max, pitch like you pitch. Every pitch he's speaking. And so he's trying to pitch every pitch, and there's these parents looking over like, that's my son. I don't even know who you are screaming at my son in the most pivotal game of his life. And, and I know, I mean, I'd do that to my own son, but if somebody else did that to my kid, I'd be like, you need to shut your mouth. You need to shut your face. You shut your face now. <laughs> I would definitely do that. I would walk over to somebody and be like, I need you to be quiet. I love you, but you got to be quiet. But for, for kids, it's a lot like us. We have these voices that if we, if we let them continue they create not only just the wrong path, which the wrong path for him wasn't pitch a bad game. The wrong path is listen to the voice that creates in you the anxiety and the fear. And so as a body and as a people, we have to become a people. And the passages today really speak to this, that know how the Father speaks to us, demystify it, take it out of the arena that makes it this completely spiritualized thing that's otherworldly, that's all heaven, no earth, and make it accessible again. And I think we find that he already is speaking to us in ways that we can understand. But we have to also, as a body, be able to be the body that does that. I don't care about all the books. I don't care what these seven other pastors, I want to honor what God's doing in them, but we're not trying to be them, okay? So today we're going to read you some passage, we're going to share some stories, and we're going to try and do this together. Sarah Turner, ladies and gentlemen. She has a mic on her body, yeah. Um, Okay, so I think as we read these passages, and we're going to read two together, that it really cast the vision that we had felt stirring for this next season at RCC. So when we opened up the lectionary and we read these passages, I mean, it was almost astonishing. We were like, how how could all of this line up? It really felt like it did. And then uh, we believe that the, the worship journey is how we get there. So that is the prayer we pray in order to arrive where we feel like God is bringing us as a community. So we're going to start again with this Psalm 23 passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Let it out. and Just imagine this theme. Does it feel peaceful? Does it feel restful? Open your eyes. Now let's read Revelation 7, 9 through 17. I love this passage. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. 
Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So it's really beautiful that both of these passages are casting a vision of shalom. And shalom, we've talked about, is this idea of peace with God, peace with each other, and peace with creation. It's what we were created for, and it's what the good life is. We were created to pursue the good life of shalom. But the reality is there's a lot of other good lives being offered, and we are tempted to follow those voices, right? rather than the voice of the good shepherd who might lead us to shalom. So as we look at these two passages, we see um, a lot of similarities. Um, They're in the tension, though, of the now and not yet. So if you look at Psalm 23, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I feel like this really represents our present age, and the Revelation passage is a vision of the age to come. Both are gatherings of the people of God. So... Both passages, God is the shepherd, right? Protecting his people, supplying their every need so that they want for nothing. In both passages, we see the hardships and the reality of these hardships. In Revelation, the multitude is there has come through a great hardship. And in the Psalm passage, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In both passages, we see the imagery of washing In Psalm 23, or the imagery of water. In Psalm 23, he leads us beside the still waters. And in the Revelation passage, there is no more hunger, no more thirst, and also the washing of the the robes and the blood of the lamb. They are both led to the springs of the water of life. And in both passages, the people of God are given rest and the promise of eternal life. So this is the vision we get to cast for our community. This is the vision we get to live out. But first it requires that we follow the son who is the good shepherd, right? And so if we break apart the prayer that we prayed at the beginning, the son we recognize is the good shepherd. This was prophesied in Isaiah 49. We see this in Psalm 23. We see this in the Revelation passage. And interestingly enough, the other passage in the lectionary is John 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. They hear my sheep, hear my voice, and they follow me. So that's the first step for us as the people of God and as the people of RCC. We must follow Jesus. It's the first necessary movement to any other movement. Okay, so this is the movement first, and then it's the movement towards Jesus to follow his voice. And you're going to unpack Psalm 23 a little bit, right? So with me, I think when I looked at Psalm 23, a couple of things really instantly jumped out that I didn't notice before. And the first one was, and you can pull this up, Bill, verses one through three is a picture of what I think God is trying to do to each of us. 
It's this idea that a shepherd is leading us away from performance into whatever would be still waters, whatever would be green pastures, and the green pastures aren't opportunities. Notice that as we as Americans sit in this room. The greener pastures are not the job. The greener pastures are places of rest so that the rhythms can be slowed, which I think is the key to all Christians in America. I think it's actually the, I think it's the great reclamation that needs to happen within this church across the land is reclaiming the spaces that we spend slowly with our Father, discerning His voice, discerning the city's needs, our family's needs, and slowing down. Like we said last week, we had a word given to our church from David at Stonebridge, which we were, we're a church that for the first five years, our network has noticed we've offered a different liturgy. We've offered a different rhythm. In the rat race coolness, we've offered a place where people can come in and slow down so much where they have to ask different kinds of questions. I love that. And this psalm, when I read this psalm, it speaks of what we're trying to do. And I told a lady that I, I, I'll just call her what she is. She's my counselor, and I celebrate her. She's awesome. But she, we were in a conversation this past week, and I was like, Here, I don't know what, I, what God's trying to do in my heart. I've been in prayer. I've been doing these things. But I just know that I know that as I go forward in pastoring, I have to see people hear and know who they are in God and grow and actually grow, not just look like they're growing because they get a t-shirt and not just look like they're growing because they came to a service, but actually grow because when that happens for people, they can be sent. Like it doesn't, they're not just our people. This changes everything when somebody has this kind of connection. And if we have to spend the next 30 years, I, I would rather spend the next 30 years with this amount of people or even less and it happening in all of you than having 10,000 people who are good at screaming in dark rooms during worship. I would much rather, that's to me, that would be, and that is this psalm. The psalm is he's trying to create a different rhythm and paths to places where the shepherd is so near that we begin to come to life in such a way that we can then go to the next part. And this is also beautiful for our community. We can then be led by him to tables prepared in the presence of our enemies, where we're anointed with oil. And, and this word actually, enemies, actually means adversity. Actually, it would probably be a better translation. The adverse voices within a community. God has even given us something we have called the what? <laughs> the table. You're like, Jesus? You're like my kid, Jesus? <laughs> Bible, Bible, Bible. No, it's uh, the table. He's even given us this, and the whole idea here is that, and this is where it brought such revelation to me to feel so confident that God is going to use us and bless us as we go forward. We don't want to remove the sacred, which is God restoring his people and him being our shepherd and us celebrating him communally. But we also don't want to remove the mission, which is him preparing a table in the presence of our adversities so that we can say hello to our enemies, who we don't hate or harm we eat with because he pours oil on our heads. Get that in your brain. And also the, it ends with to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it brings it back to this idea that the place of peace and shalom is with Jesus in the house of the Lord. And we've really done that terribly as a body for the past 20 years in America. So much so that people are fleeing the body of Christ left and right right now needing to fall back in love with a shepherd who leads them by still waters into place of green pastures, not shepherds who are beating them and demanding them and breaking them into submission. 
So this, to me, feels like such a clear thing that God's trying to do with RCC. But I also love in this passage, it starts with this great imagery of a shepherd, and it ends with this great imagery of a host. But in both of those images, there is a, an, he's nurturing. And in both places, he's the one feeding. So he's the feeder and as a shepherd, and as the host, he's the feeder, which takes the effort off of us being people who live out of second commandment. Jesus will always be the one that feeds even the people that come into the table. We are just partners partnering with him. We're partners as shepherds. We're partners as hosts. But he is the meal. It's not, it's not our job to create something in here that's so spectacular, right? Like even this table reminds all of you of Andy Stanley, which we are clearly not, right? We are clearly not even trying to be that or never should be, but we don't have to create things to make Jesus more than he is. The meal is enough, right? Jesus is enough. And if we can do the things, the deep work of slowing rhythms down to fall back in love with the Savior, he is enough. We don't have to have fog machines in here. We don't have to grow to 5,000. We don't have to have a better website. That's great, but that's not, does that make sense? Amen. All right. It's not always an easy journey, right? So we have to acknowledge that, that the way of Jesus is often the way of suffering. And it's, it is the way we saw earlier in the story of persecution. And it's often very countercultural. So I think to follow the shepherd to the good life of Shalom can be so radically different than what's out there. And we see this in the Revelation passage because in the very, in verse 10, it says, they cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne. And the propaganda of Rome was that salvation comes through Rome that peace and shalom and protection from danger comes through Rome. And so for even John to write this was pretty radical because he was saying, Rome is not your savior. And I think we get tempted with the powers and the principalities of this world to follow those voices and to live out that good life. But the call of River City is for us to create the other story, not to create the other story, to create these spaces where the other story can be told. So I envision people walking into our, as we gather at the table, people walking into that and experiencing Smyrna as it is in heaven and, and really, really being confronted with the kingdom of God. But it's not easy. It's going to take, it, what it takes is us gathering at the table. The sustenance comes at the table as we break literal bread, right? And also as we break the bread of spiritual practices, as we praise together, as we read together, those are the things that give us sustenance for the other stuff, for the suffering and the hard times. And granted, our suffering doesn't look like what we read earlier, right? It does look different. Um, I don't know how long that will be. We might enter suffering. That, that's, we're not promised the easy life, but we gather together so that we can feast enjoy on the good things of life so that we can cast vision for that for people in our community. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, so the question then becomes, if this is a picture of us, even as people or corporately, how do we then hear the shepherd to get to those spaces, which I already know many of you, and that is an instant trigger moment. You're like, triggered, triggered, <laughs> shepherd's voice. But I want to try and demystify that a little bit. For me, for you, I think we've all known the person who hears God like that, and it's like, oh, I, God spoke to me this, and it was actually verbal, and all these things that I think really 
a lot of times harm us from hearing God and the way that he would speak to each of us. And so, but I don't think it's possible to do a couple things. One, the way that we've presented the gospel for so long is so bent on the initial, the initial decision for Christ and or decision to not be somewhere that it's already skewed the ability to be settled in by a shepherd into spaces like this. And so you have to kind of step away from this idea. It's not just about heaven and hell. And that's not good theology to just present Jesus as it's about heaven and hell. It's not just about that. It's about the kingdom here on earth right now. It's about life here on earth right now, and it's about the people who God love. And it's not about in or out right now. It's about being led by a shepherd into these spaces. So you might have to be reconstructed in some of that because that's a quick fix. That's actually a response to good Americanism and good promotion to do the gospel that way. So you have to even back up farther and say, do I even believe the shepherd wants to have a longer conversation than are you going to heaven or hell, or are you saved, or are you, you know, like the TV shows we see, have you, have you lied today? Well, you make this decision now, you're going to be good, everything's going to be great. All you got to do is buy this t-shirt, start listening to Kirk Cameron, and make sure you're a Tim Tebow follower and you're good to go. And it's not the way it is. It's a longer process. It's like a relationship. You have to be drawn into deeper conversations, and we're terrible at it. All of us are typically terrible at it in America. And so the question then becomes, how do I? All right, Josh, I want to do that. It's it, it will be painful to do the rhythms of God in the way that he wants them at the pace that he wants them will mean that you are saying no to your Rome, which you have presently operating in your life right now telling you that this is the end. And this means, and for some of you, it's how much money is in your account. For some of you, it's your relationship. For some of you, it's the way you look. For some of you, it's what your kids are going to do next and Instagram momming and all of it. But all of us have a Rome. So for us to actually say yes to this, we have to confront and label, here is the Rome presently thriving in my life because it's there. And when you can do that, then you can be led by a shepherd into, a shepherd first and foremost, that wants to lead you. Whatever narrative you've heard, he wants to lead you into this space more than you want to be led. He's promised that he'll speak to his sheep in John 10. And so for us, we have to create the space for him to do that. Spiritual formation, 12 Time together, the gathering of the body, the gathering of the saints around these things are so important for us. So what do you, do you want me to go ahead and wrap it up right here? I have Give a me quote. a look. You have a quote. Yeah, you had that quote. But look. I don't know if it fits. <laughs> Still going to read it. Why do not, it. right? Bring it. Um, okay, so this is especially referring to the fact that we're still in the season of Easter, um, which leads up to the day of Pentecost. So that's where we are in the Christian calendar. So as the church continues to journey through the great 50 days, the most festive season of the Christian year, it remembers that the victory we celebrate was won in, with, and through, not apart from, rejection, suffering, and death. At the same time, there is ample opportunity for extending comfort since the lamb is also a shepherd who provides, protects, cares for, and lovingly leads his flock. Amazingly, the humble shepherd is the risen Lord who rules heaven and earth through intimate involvement in the affairs of his people for the sake of the whole world. We are compelled to proclaim this hope in the darkest of circumstances, since the one who conquered sin, evil, and death has neither rejected nor abandoned the world that continues to reject and abandon him. And I really feel like we, that is us, this last part. We live out what we have experienced, and then we are co compelled to proclaim, and it, that doesn't necessarily have to mean with our voices, though that's part of it. 
But how are, as a body, are we proclaiming this hope in Smyrna or in our communities? That's good. So if you guys could stand with me really quickly. I want to end today kind of funky. Um, I think if you've ever been a part of a church, you've had somebody say to you, we can't do it without you. Um, I think we really mean that because we're not going to become the rock star people that keep organizations together if they don't have people serving. We won't be able to do that. And so what, what happens in bodies is you speak a vision like this, you really want people to jump in, and then the 15 people that already do it really well are like, I'll do more. And it looks like the body's going forward because those go-getters jump in, and then all of the other 85% kind of hang out, and they're like, man, this place is feeding me so, so good. <laughs> this place is it's not designed to feed you necessarily, right? This is a table, and right? Like, you sometimes got to bring, right, high schooler and college kid. You can't just bring cookies from Publix to every party, right? You've got to make a meal sometimes. And so hear me say this, because our church, the way that we have it set up, will not survive. If you do not step in, we will not make it if you do not serve. And I'm not talking to those that already serve too much. Many of you are called to a season of sitting down for a while. You're just not able to yet because all those other people are like, I don't think he's talking to me. I mean, I haven't served in seven years, but that's not me. We're asking the other 85% to be like, I'll serve. We have like just can I just shoot transparently with you. Our associate pastor right now is watching kids right now. And that's because we don't have enough people to serve the kids right now. That's happening right now. I wanted him to hear this message. I wanted him to hear this message. I wanted, Kay, I wanted Katie to not struggle. And, and for all of you that are already going to go double down and serve another one, this is not for you. And for those who haven't served, this is an invitation into those kinds of things, into giving money. Like, we don't want to have that talk anymore. We are terrible at having that talk. We do the opposite of that. We need you to give. There's no other way this church survives. There's not a magic money donkey that runs through here every Sunday. It's like, hey, here you go. Doesn't happen. You're also relying on the 15 for 20% that are keeping this space and that right. space going. Yep. If you don't give, we don't survive. And I'm okay having those conversations because if you don't give, then I don't think we should even be doing this. If you don't serve, I don't think we should be doing this because we're doing a bad job of pastoring you. Does that make sense? We've all got to sit at this table. This is not an us-centric thing. If it's not us, it's not even good. Right. Come to the table. If you're angry or upset at the church, let's walk through it. That's not Jesus. He's trying to feed you. Stop over-serving over-servers. If there needs to be a gap between the people doing too much now and the people who are going to serve, let there be a gap. Let people show up and be like, man, they're not, I'm not getting enough here. Good. Maybe that's time for you to serve. Because that's what happens, right? People are like, well, they didn't, they didn't provide this for my family. Well, we're not supposed to be consumers. We're supposed to come to the table. Amen. Am I preaching? Come on. For those of you who are burnt out for ministry right now, I am not speaking to you. Enneagram twos, you're off the hook. Enneagram twos, (laughs) calm down. Sixes, breathe. Nines, you're still alive, right? Everyone else, please. And you don't have to do it all. We and this isn't like go serving kids ministry. It's As God takes us into this, man, I would love for people to come here and be so freed in Jesus that they're healed and that when they're around people, people want Jesus. That's the goal. And only people who are filled with Jesus, not pretending, really lead people towards Jesus. So that has to happen. And if we all carry the weight of this, right, 
And if you need to go to another church, God bless you. We're not the only church, but if you want to be here, help carry the weight, right? Help carry the weight so we don't have to die. That would be fun. And our staff don't have to die. Who need, who need you? Amen? I wasn't planning on doing that necessarily, but I did it, so okay. All right, so what I want to do with the rocks, if you do desire prayer and it's not about this, prayer teams, could you go in the prayer room, make sure no moms are feeding in there? That's uncomfortable. I've done it. Go in there. For prayer teams, if you need prayer one-on-one, that's a big deal, and we are honored to do that with you. That's the room. There's plenty of space for you to be away from other people to do that. For everyone else, we're going to put on a song, and it's going to be awkward because we don't have worship happening to close. Unless you guys prepared a song. If you did, then you can come up. I want you to write on the rock something that you sense God is wanting to do, that you want to see God do at RCC, or that you would love to see happen in Smyrna or the city that you live in. Does that make sense? Raise your hand if that makes sense. If you have to go right now, we're not going to hate you, okay? But the pens are up here. I would love for you to do this and take them. Do you have anything you want to say, Sarah? Uh, no. All right. Clap for moms. Awkward closing. Happy Mother's Day. Sign up for graduates. Father, we thank you for every good gift that's from above. We thank you for struggling seasons. We thank you for we thank you for River City. This church, if I just made it sound like everything's terrible, it's really not. So help them to sense and see that we are excited about what God's doing, and that's the truth. We just want it to do, do it the right way. And I pray that each mom today would feel so loved. The moms that will be, the moms that have gone through loss, the moms that have kids in this room, uh, all, of, all of us, God. We just pray that you would just let them feel honored, feel loved, help people to do dishes for people, help people to serve people, take naps if they need to, step in and not be busy on mom's day for their wives. Let them cancel things they need to cancel so that their wives can actually have peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.